Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. So how many people have appreciated Mark's gospel? It's been great, hasn't it? It's been really good and really insightful. Well, today together we're going to just be sharing a little bit about Mark and in particular what we found in Mark's gospel is Mark, John Mark was his name, he's the cousin of Barnabas, he puts together this gospel. Um, It's the shortest of the gospels and we can really pay attention to Mark talking talking about and referencing miracles. Did you notice that? There are a lot of miracles referenced in Mark's gospel. In fact, 22 times were references to miracles. That's excluding the resurrection. This is, this is more occurrences in the shortest gospel, more occurrences than any other gospel do we see miracles referred to. And the reason why Mark does this is he writes to a Gentile audience, a Gentile that is converted to Christianity and he's showing the power of God and the Messiahship of Jesus. So Jesus wasn't just a man. He was the Son of God and is the Son of God. He rules and reigns. And he has done incredible things, demonstrated amazing miracles and in often messy situations. So today, Pastor Brett and I are going to just kind of unpack a little bit on um, a theme that we call miracles in the mess. Miracles in the mess. Maybe you are here this morning, maybe you're streaming in and your life is riddled with messiness. Anyone put their hand up and you say, there's a lot of mess in my life. Can I say that Jesus is attracted to the mess? He's not outside of the mess. In fact, it's often the mess that gives birth to the miraculous. Never discount what God can and what God does want to do in the middle of your mess. Miracles don't just happen on a Sunday morning, though they do happen on Sunday mornings. We see in Mark's account, most of the miracles happened outside of the synagogue. It wasn't just limited to the synagogue. It wasn't just limited to the place of worship. It was outside. And we're going to see this in Mark's account. In Mark chapter 1, it sets the scene. We see Mark tried to, he, he endeavors to put this narrative together of who Jesus is and the very first miracle mentioned is a supernatural one inside the synagogue. Inside the synagogue. Before that happens, this is what it says in Mark chapter 1, in verse, I think it's 15. Let's have a look. Jesus says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. So these miracles, these signs and wonders, all followed the proclamation of the gospel. And when Jesus preached about the gospel being at hand, it was, it was the kingdom of God. It was about Christ the King coming into humanity. And as part of that, it's not just about us being saved. It's about us being set free. It's about us receiving eternal life in our lives in the moment, in the present. And so he then goes out to, in teaching, in authority, in the gog, in the synagogue, it says, he he began teaching, they noticed his authority, and then we see, um, verse 22, they were astonished at his teaching, he had taught with one 
who had authority, and immediately there was a man with an unclean spirit in the synagogue, an unclean spirit. We see deliverance take place in that moment. We see in Mark's first chapter, it continues to happen. After that, he goes and he, he, he goes to Peter's house and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. We see that he goes and preaches in Galilee. People are set free. People are healed. People are delivered. It continues to happen. He then cleanses a leper. This is the first chapter. Mark continues this theme all the way through, and it would be remiss of us as Christians to observe all of these miracles. It'd be remiss of us to go, wow, wasn't that amazing that Jesus did all of those sorts of things and we do nothing with it? One of the greatest crimes that we can commit is looking at Jesus and appreciating what he's done and walking away and forgetting about it. It's like looking in a mirror and forgetting what we look like. So when we read through the Word of God, we must remember that revelation without any application becomes useless information. When we are faced and confronted with revelation, the question that we ask, God, what do you want me to do with that? What does that mean for me? And Mark does this. Because by the end of Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 16, we see the resurrection take place. And then there is a great commissioning of the followers of Jesus. And Josh, I think that uh, whole theme of commissioning began in Mark 1 when Jesus chose the apostles, the ones to follow him and his disciples, which started in Mark 1. He called them first, then he demonstrated what he wanted, uh, what he wanted them to actually emulate and fulfill and follow. So he, he, he commissions them, he, he, he calls them, then he demonstrates that miraculous. Then that uh, theme, which is a golden thread, I think, through all the Gospels, but particularly in this one, and that culminates in Mark 16. As we saw last week, Pastor Josh preached it, but it says in verse 14, it says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And it goes on to say, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptised will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover so then after the lord had spoken to them he 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 was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of god then it finishes with this wonderful statement it says and they went out and preached everywhere and the lord working with them and confirming the word with accompanying signs Amen. It's very clear that that commissioning continued and uh, right through the Gospel of Mark and all through the Gospels, if you have a look in Luke chapter 10, Jesus commissioned 70 others. He just didn't, it wasn't just the, uh, uh, the 12, it was 70 others and he was doing the same thing. He exampled 
He preached and then he commissioned. Absolutely. So that commissioning uh, is for all of us. It's for every single one of us. How many people here you believe you got, you, you got Jesus or his spirit living in you? You know what you've just signed up for, don't you? <laughs> so Jesus compels, he commands, but he also empowers us to be a conduit of his grace. If Christianity began at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and finished at 11.30, 11.45, whatever that may look like, it's, we're missing something. This is like the icing on the cake. This is the celebration. This is the family meal we get together to be not just healed and restored, but empowered to go out there and take our world for Jesus. But we've got to remember this, that when Jesus died on that cross, something took place. He disarmed the principalities and the powers. You know that. Our enemy and his power is essentially rendered ineffective because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And it is so important for us as believers, as followers of Christ, to realize the power of Christ, the authority that he has living in us to overcome. We live in a world that is infatuated with what we see in the natural. But the greater reality is the supernatural. It's the unseen world. You know that, don't you? It's, but how many people we forget about that so often? That a battle we think is just here, but it's not. There is a different reality. Just by way of show of hands, if, if I ask this question, just, just give, me, give me a hand raised. If you as a Christian can say, there has been an experience or multiple experiences in my life which I cannot explain except it being a supernatural occurrence. Yeah, a supernatural occurrence. So have a look around. That's the vast majority of us. I would say to you that so many more things happen that are supernatural than we give credit for. I remember being in my room one time just praying with some young people. And there was a young guy, Justin, that we were praying with. And talking about demonic affliction, or we read about deliverance which happens time and time again throughout the Gospels. He started manifesting, this young kid. And I don't know what to do with him because I'm like, I'm in my early 20s. We're just praying together and all of a sudden he starts making weird noises, being angry. And so I was with another Christian. I thought, right, well, instead of letting the other guys freak out that are praying in the room, let's just take him out the front. So we took him out the front and we just started praying for him. What do we pray for? We just say, Father, we pray your Holy Spirit would come and set free this young man. He's a friend of mine. And what happened in that moment, I didn't know what to do with we just prayed for him, you know, he just fell down on the lawn. There was no catches there, there was no one on the keys, ushering in the Holy Ghost. God was just there on my front lawn, passed out. And I looked to the guy next to me, I said, what's going on? And he says, that's Holy Spirit time. I remember we picked up his foot and just moved around, he was just kind of limp, he was just out. But when he got up, he had a smile on his face. He was calm and cool as a cucumber. 
Occasions like that I've seen multiple times. How many people here, you've like, I've, I've been in situations like that. It happens a lot, doesn't it? So when we read the Bible, we've got to understand that God's intention for us is to be able to see that and it become normative, normal. Not a freaky, out of the blue, once in a century miracle. Like, he wants for us to see these signs and wonders happen. Not because there's anything in signs and wonders in and of themselves that are spectacular. They point to someone. So miracles, the point of miracles is to point to the Messiah. We don't go pursuing miracles and signs and wonders. We pursue Jesus and we pursue that kingdom reality into this world. And as things unfold, what happens is spiritual, supernatural things just take place. Jesus was not a demon hunter. He was going about his day, preaching the gospel, teaching with authority, and have a guess what? Stuff just happened. And when it happened, even when you'll see when the... When the demons would manifest and make a big show about it, demons often do that. They come in quiet, but they make a big song and dance about it because they want the glory. Jesus goes, no. We have that same authority in us. But the key to understanding that authority is intimacy. And once we have a good level of intimacy and we deepen in that sense of intimacy, we start to live in that authority because we understand the authority is not to do with us. It's Christ in us and what he has achieved for us. I want to introduce to the stage uh, a friend, Derek Dove, who had an experience a week and a half ago. Derek, why don't you come to the stage and tell us about a supernatural experience you had on the road. Let's put our hands together for Derek. To be careful of that. At 70, I've got a, I'm thinking I'm younger. But you, I've got I didn't get the memo. What's going on here, fellas? It's an age thing, sure. Yeah, well, <clears throat> this morning, I just, you know, like I said, um, about six weeks ago, um, I had to go up to Karatha, as I don't know if some of you do know, I've been doing a, a quite a bit of building up there in Karatha. And at around six weeks ago, um, I had to go up. But Colette had had an operation on her shoulder. And I wanted to kind of like put that back. But uh, the guy I had to meet up there, he could only be there on that particular day. And so I said to Colette, look, I'm not going to leave you behind. Let's both of us get and we'll drive up and go over to Karatha. And, um, of course, we didn't rest much the night before and got up very, very early in the morning. I think it might have been about 2 o'clock. We left at 1 o'clock and we were on our way to Karatha. And uh, we were about... Uh, I reckon, uh, if everyone knows, we're between Carnarvon and uh, Nanatura. And um, <clears throat> what had happened is that uh, I didn't know when, but I fell asleep. I didn't know I had fallen asleep, but all I, I was, uh, the car was on, uh, I put it on cruise control at 110 k's an hour. And, of course, we were cruising along, and I fell asleep. Colette, who was sitting next to me, just having all the pain and taking painkillers, etc., she fell asleep as well. And um, while we're, all I heard was just this massive whoosh go past. And immediately I woke up. When I opened my eyes, there was a road train, a fully laden road train, 
about 100 meters away, coming at me with lights flashing. I was on the wrong side. I was on, instead of being on the left-hand side of the road, I was on the right-hand side of the road, on the same side as the road train, and this thing flashing its lights or whatever. And as I looked beside me, I saw this being, or it looked like a bird, but then that flew up. It was kind of like doing that, and, but it was from my front of my car, which where the, um, where the fenders were, and its head was faced in towards the fenders, and the rest of the body went right past, and I own a Mitsubishi Triton, and it was almost at the back of uh, the Triton. And uh, when I looked at this, this is just in a matter of seconds, it was trying to push, it looked like it, the way it was facing, it was trying to push me over back onto the side I ought to be. And as I turned over, as I turned to get onto the right side, um, this being that was there left, I had the shock of my life. I couldn't believe it. All Colette saw was the truck hurtling towards us with its lights flashing. And anyway, we got over onto the other side and I was shivering and shaking and thinking, Lord, what was that? You know? And as I began to think about that, I said, that had to be my angel. Now this looked like it was a gray and white with a bit of black in it type of a figure that if I could, if I could describe it as to what I saw, it looked like, have you ever seen a woolly wagtail fly? You know, that bird? Um, it, it, for when you look at it from the top, it was shaped something like that, but this being had its wings in, and it was like feathers flying up against where my, uh, you know, where my window was on my side. I think, like I said to Pastor Josh this morning, if I'd opened the window, I could have touched this beam. That's how close it was sitting right up against the car. And all I knew it could be, it was an angel. And this, when I thought about it, years ago, I was in a meeting, you know, we were sharing in a meeting years ago. And after the meeting, someone came up to me and said to me, I saw your angel. And uh, I thought, oh, that's a shock, you know, because I'm one that's very, very, you know, are you okay? Are you all right? Seeing things, seeing things like that, you've got to really and truly convince me. And um, I said, oh, you did? He says, yeah. He says, every time you moved on this side to share something there, there was a guy standing behind you, and he had a knife in his hand, and he was trying to get at you. And every time you moved, this angel of yours was always stood between you and that guy. And I said to him, well, what color was that angel? He says, all I can say to you that he was big and he was black. And I thought, well, what I saw there, it was big and black. And I thought, well, God, that's confirmation that that was your angel that you sent to protect me. It was a wonderful experience that I cannot forget. I think of it continuously because after the fact, Colette and I sat and thought, what had happened if that thing, had, that, that, that uh, road train would have hit us? We would have been completely obliterated. We thought of how our children would feel. We thought of all the things that we have in our lives unfinished. But you know what? God never leaves us. Like Pastor Josh, Josh read this morning, neither does he forsake us. And we can never ever be sure of tomorrow. 
because we don't know what tomorrow holds. But one thing I can be sure of is that whatever we commit to Jesus today, He will perform tomorrow. And I just want to give Him all the glory and honor. Amen. Thanks for that. Yeah, so excuse me, it was six weeks ago. I heard about it a week and a half ago. But um, So my natural, my natural mind goes... Why'd you wake up? What did you see? What was the colour? What was the size? You know, that's how my brain works. However you look at it, God woke this man up. And he may not be with us today with Colette. There is a God who cares for you. There is a God who looks out for you. There is a supernatural dimension, a supernatural element to this world. Oh, Lord, just help us see it. And sometimes, the miracles... I would say that that's a miracle. They're not so conventional. God does miraculous things that sit outside of our mind's box. I think the classic in Mark chapter 2 with that is, um, you might remember the story, but Jesus is inside a building and it's so full. And all of a sudden the roof starts coming off. And uh, then... then uh, four guys are lowering down through the roof a, a, a man who's paralysed. Can you imagine being in that room? I don't know about you guys, but having a roof pulled off and someone else lower, being lowered down, what a messy situation. What, a, what an unconventional situation. And that was typical to me of, of what Mark's trying to show us and what the Lord uh, was able to show his disciples that at different times things will happen that are totally unconventional and messy and difficult. But we know the rest of the story. It gets even messier when Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And now everybody wants to make a formula that somehow you've got to be repentant of your sin before you get that miracle. But I think Jesus was stirring the natives. Uh, in the, uh, that's the Pharisees and the religious people. But he, he was making a statement here that the greater need also was the man's spiritual condition rather than his, just his physical condition. And then as you move on, I think one of the great stories of Mark as well was Mark chapter 10 with blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus is, is, is a beggar on the side of the road. By the way, he's outside a cursed city. Jericho was a cursed city. He's, standing out, he's, he's sitting on the side of the road. He hears that it's Jesus and he starts making a real noise. Again, it's outside the synagogue. It's outside a church. It's unconventional. He starts screaming at, at, at the top of his voice and finally everybody's telling him to shut up. I mean, everybody. And Jesus stops and says, bring him to me. And when he comes to him, I loved what Jesus said. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He had to confess the fact that he wanted his sight back. Again, that's not a formula, but that was something that Jesus was doing in him personally. And sometimes we've just got to speak it out. But then Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. And we know the rest of the story, apart from one little factor that you might overlook. And it says that blind Bartimaeus, in verse 52, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus and he said, what do you want from me? Jesus asked, Rabbi, that I'll receive my sight. I want to see. And then it goes on to say, go your way. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, 
the man could see and followed Jesus down the road. The, uh, the goal was heal the man, yes. But the greater pr principle is that miracles speak to people in a way that causes them also to follow Christ. So sometimes you, you see miracles that are like that, a blind man seeing. But do you know there are small miracles that happen every day? See, in God's perspective, in God's economy, to him, whether you're blind and can now see or whether your bruise just heals up in that moment, to him, it's just, it's him intervening. To us, we tend to think that more faith is required for the big things. I don't know why I do that. Oh, I'm going to need a lot more faith for someone's leg to grow than I would be for their headache to go. But in God's economy, all we need is just a little bit of faith. Tell us about the story about your son. Yeah, so I came home from, I don't know where I'd been. I just remember having a wicked headache and laying on the lounge. And my son, who was at the time about four years old, asked me to read a book to him. I said, mate, not now. I am not, I'm not doing real well. I've got a headache. Uh, you'll just have to leave me alone. He said, well, ask Jesus to take your headache away. Childlike faith, right? So I said to him, I don't really feel like asking Jesus to take my headache away. Why don't you? And you know this little boy say, said those simple words, Jesus, please take Dad's headache away. And you know what happened? Jesus took the headache away. That's the type of faith, unconventional, messy, the whole thing, but that's what Christ is looking for in us. And as I think about that, I also think about Acts chapter 4 and uh, verse uh, 13 through to 16. This is, this is uh, a, another part of that because I think sometimes we think we need to go through a training course before we can pray or do something for somebody. Well, it says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marvelled and they realised that they had been with Jesus. It goes on to say in verse 16, What shall we do with these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. On my first um, overseas missions trip, I, hadn't, I had not sat through a Bible college lesson. I hadn't gone to a special class. Uh, my friend and I, we were just asked, would you come to PNG? And would you come up here? And, and, uh, and I said, yes. So we went up to the highlands of PNG. And uh, I'll never forget the day we walked into this bark hut. Literally, it, had, uh, it, was, it was just a hut that would, could accommodate about 20 normal Australians, but about 40 or 50 Papua New Guinean people. And uh, they packed into there, but they led a man in. And he had a, uh, you could see he was blind. His eyes were quite a, uh, glazed over and affected. And they led the man in. Anyway, my friend and I, at the end of the service, had a healing line and we were praying uh, for people. I'd never done this before. Never been taught in some class, only seen what other men had done, other people had done in praying for the sick. Went there, this was 1989, not long, only probably five, six years old in Christ, and went there 
And uh, this man had been hit with a brick 37 years earlier in tribal warfare. He walked up to, after being prayed for about two or three times by my friend and I was on the other end of the line, I could hear the commotion after being prayed for two or three times, he began to see. And I actually have a video footage of it, but I couldn't find the exact video. It's somewhere in my archives. But I've got a picture of him walking up to the top of the pulpit, picking up a small flower and smiling for the first time in 37 years, being able to see. Unlearned, untrained men just had a faith in Christ to do miracles. So... I was reminded of, of a story of a young guy named Josh Hodgkin. Many of you people know Josh Hodgkin. Lives down in Albany at the moment. When we launched our youth ministry in the church many years ago, we started off with a camp. And we had about 12 school kids come on this camp. And um, on this camp, we did a call. I think it was possibly the last night of the camp, the youth camp. And when we did the call for salvation, um, all but one kid came to the front to give their life to Jesus. And we're having a time of worship that you do. It's kind of nearing the end of the, um, the night. And I remember going to the back there and I saw a young kid there. His name's Stephen. And he was like, he's kind of the leader of the pack kid. And he was just standing there, you know, not wanting to give his life to Christ. And I'm in the back talking to the sound guy, Don Rakers at the time. And I said, I want that guy. I want that guy. Why is he not going forward? Father, I pray for that guy. Now, what I saw happen was a young guy, Josh Hodgkin, who I mentioned, he went alongside him. I saw him talking with him. Then he prayed for him. And then the guy responded. This is what actually happened with Josh Hodgkin, who was about 16 years old at the time. He hadn't been through any Bible college or anything like that. This is what he said to the young guy. Um, he says, what would it take for you to give your life to Jesus? He goes, I don't know. And then this young kid, he actually had severe eczema on his body, around his neck, on his arms. And that was obvious. It was, it was, it was like bleeding and, and he had always been scratching it. And, and this is what Hotch said. He said, if God could heal you, would you believe in him? Right. <laughs> yeah, the faith of this young kid. He wasn't even one of the leaders at the time. He, he was just in high school himself. Like he was like you're 12 or something. And the kid goes, okay. So Josh takes this kid to the side, puts his arm around him, and he goes, we're going to pray now. You know now you're going to meet the creator of the universe. And the kid's like, okay. So he just prayed a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, that you would heal him, that he would experience you. What I then saw was I saw him go to the front, gave his life to Jesus, was in church on Sunday. I talked to him about it. I said, what happened? He goes, as soon as Josh prayed for me, I felt something come over my body. Right. The hairs on my neck, I could feel it was standing on, on the end. And my eczema in that moment was almost completely gone. And I checked him on the Sunday and it was almost entirely gone. All the it was just kind of like the scratches that were left. But the eczema had all subsided. That was from a school kid that would just step forward and say, hey, listen. Do you want to meet God? I wonder how many opportunities we're presented with like that yeah, yeah. every day. But we think, I'll just get him to church on a Sunday and that'll, I'll get the pastor to pray for him. <laughs> but we're all commissioned. 
every single one of us. I, I do have a question for us. Though. I mean, there are people in the room now and watching online and, and they're looking at a couple of guys that are pastors and that are come across as confident and assertive and they're anointed and I'm sure there are people thinking, well, yeah, that's not me. I'm not that guy. What is it that stops us from stepping out? What is it that stops every single one of us from experiencing that level of just faith and boldness? What gets in the way? Brett, what do you reckon? What gets in the way? Well, over the years, there's a couple of things that get in the way. But you've got to remember, what did Jesus say? He couldn't, the Bible says he couldn't do many miracles there because of unbelief. So some people think you need to have a faith level up to a certain degree before you can pray for the sick. Unbelief is simply saying no to God. If we respond to, in obedience to God, like that young man in that meeting, anything can happen. Anything can happen as we, by faith, believe God and just step out. So first thing I think is unbelief. The uh, second thing is we want to put a formula down. What words am I supposed to say? Am I, is there a hereditary curse here? Is there, you know, I've, I've heard all the formulas for all the different diseases. And at times, it makes, I haven't got any hair, but it make your hair curl, some of the, some of the things they've got. <laughs> they come up with all these, di- man wants to explain away why we can't see healing, right? And they also want to work out a formula on how healing works. Well, it's supernatural. Miracles and healing and is supernatural. I don't know why one person's leg will grow out, their back gets healed, like Tom, Tom Locker was praying for that person out at, uh, at uh, Ellenbrook the other week. I've prayed for many people at different times. Some get healed, many get healed, not all. Sometimes it is to do with something that they're holding on to. But I don't know unless the Spirit of God speaks to me about that. So unbelief, formulas... And I think sometimes we've just got a fear of man. What if I fail? What if I look like a goose? Right? And you, I've walked up to people in shopping centres and said, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't mean to disturb your day, but I'd really like to pray for you. And if it works, it works. I don't know if they get healed, but I just believe sometimes that sometimes I, 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 Jesus had compassion for people. I think our compassion should override yeah, that's good. override very good. Very any good. sort of fear of man, any of these hindrances. So I, I really encourage you. I was simply, I was a young man. I was 29 years old when I went to uh, Papua New Guinea. I had hardly any experience when it came down to praying for the sick. And yet we saw miracle after miracle after miracle. So talk about compassion. I, I remember uh, calling up a parent when I was a youth pastor, I was calling up a parent trying to convince her to let her kid come to a youth event. And she's not a believer. She's not a Christian. So I'm trying extra hard to let her let her son come to a youth event, which would have either been like an all-night riot or, 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 or an overnight event, something where you've got to really work hard to convince the parent. And so I remember when I was talking to her, though, she mentioned to me that she had a really bad headache. And, and my heart started to break for her because she said to me, my headaches are so bad, I get migraines so bad. I'm like, tell me about it. She said, the only way to make it stop is when I bang my head against the wall. 
I said, you're kidding me. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. She goes, it's that bad. I have to put pressure on it. And I know, I know how bad migraines can get. And if you're here and you, know, you, you experience bad migraines, like I'd get them, I'd vomit. Sometimes I couldn't get up. But this lady had to bang her head on the wall and my heart just kind of bled for her. This is why I think there's nothing wasted in the kingdom. When God allows you to experience and feel something, he allows a compassion to come so that his miracles can take place. And so this is what happened. I was so um, uncertain and lacking confidence with this lady over the phone. And I'm still trying to get her over the line. But I said to her, listen, would you like me to pray for you? Can I pray for you? You know how much faith I had? Like (laughs) 0.00002%. She goes, uh... Yeah, okay. It was a simple prayer. Lord, I just pray right now that you heal her headache, that it would go away. Now, as soon as that finished, that prayer finished, guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing changed at that moment. However, we just kept talking about the event and about 40, 50, maybe 60 seconds in, she goes, hey, my headache stopped. My headache has stopped. It's actually gone away. And I said, yeah, of course, of course it has. <laughs> yeah, that's God. That's the power of God. <laughs> How many phone calls do we have with someone? Yeah. Or SMSs or interchange we have, and we just, we miss out on the opportunity to just there in that moment, arrest that moment and say, let's just pray. Now, as Pastor Brett said, sometimes they'll be healed. Sometimes they won't. But unless we pray, we're never going to see it. That's right. So we've all, though, been commissioned, every single one of us. We've all been commissioned. It's not just an instruction, it's an empowerment. And this is how I want to finish the service today. My submission to all of us in this room is consider where is there a mess in your life? Maybe it's not a physical one. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a financial one, you need a miracle. Maybe it's a relationship one, and you need a miracle. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's mental. Maybe, maybe it's not just about you getting over something or taking a Panadol. Maybe you legitimately need a miracle. You need a supernatural, divine intervention. If that's you, I want us to pray for one another in just a second. And we're going to do it. It's not just going to be from the guys holding the microphones. It's going to be from us. So this is the call this morning as we finish. If you are here this morning and you need a miracle, you need God's intervention, and you have faith to stand and let someone else pray for you, if that's you, the call is you need a miracle, there's a mess in your life, and you're humble enough but faithful enough to to stand just now and let someone else pray for you, would you just stand up to your feet right now? You just stand up to your feet. As people are standing to their feet, let me encourage you with something. It doesn't matter how dire a situation is. It does not matter how dire a situation is. There is nothing that God cannot do. My God is incredible. I asked Gary just to get for me a medical report. I've shown this uh, uh, maybe a couple of years ago from a person in our church named Bill. He, he was given a report of cancer and his PSA count I saw go from 
one and a half to three to four, and he was believing for a miracle. He said that God told him he'd be healed. It went up to 8.4, 8.5, his PSA count. And he just kept believing. He kept trusting. He didn't give up. He didn't let go. No matter what the report of the doctor was, he just kept trusting God with the outcome. And have a guess what? The PSA count went right the way down. And the radiographer could find no cancerous cells anymore. I've got the report right here. His cancer was gone. How did that happen? God. It just takes faith. Just trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Is there anyone else you say, that's me? I need a miracle. I need a miracle and I'm willing for someone to pray for me. Okay, now, church, this is what we're going to do. Maybe you're out there in in the online world, and that includes you too. We're going to pray together for a miracle. And ask Pastor Brett, and we're going to agree together for miracles, for Jesus to come. Remember, this is a sign. The miracle is a sign to the, of, of, of the Messiah, of His splendor, of His victory, of His eternal life. It's in Him. So this is what I want us to do. If you see someone standing up in this room, and you feel to, you want to just go and stand with them and agree with them, why don't you go, get out of your seat right now and go and stand with someone. If you want to, you can put your hand on their shoulder, on their back. Go and find someone. And we're going to pray for you now together as a church. We're going to agree with you. God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able. Thank you, Father. Who else needs someone to stand with them just now? Anyone? No one to stand alone. Okay, we're all good. All across this room. We're going to agree together. Someone at the back? Okay, yeah. Great. Wonderful. Heavenly Father. We stand in obedience to your word and by the revelation of your word that you are the God of miracles, that there is nothing that is impossible for you. We pray for those who are even streaming in right now and those that are standing in this congregation right now. We pray a miracle, healing, By the stripes of Jesus, receive healing in the name of that mighty name. And by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that not only cleanses our sins, but heals our diseases. We believe you right now for a miracle, Lord. And we're asking you in simple faith, heal the sick. Touch all those, either at home or in this place right now, for your glory, Lord, that we might be able to testify to your glory. And we believe this now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, as every head still bowed, every eye still closed, I'm believing. As the testimonies of faith have come forward, let faith arise in your people's hearts. Let faith arise in people's hearts. The prayer of the child or the prayer of the older person, the prayer of 
that was made over the phone, these testimonies today, today, Lord, I pray stir faith in people's hearts. Father, we thank you for salvation and we pray for any here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Saviour and we ask right now for their salvation that people would turn to you and believe. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, why don't you call out to Jesus right now? Say yes to Him. Accept Him as your Saviour. Repent of your sin and receive Him today in an act of faith. Father, we're praying right now for everyone across this building. I'm asking for those right now to have pain. That pain goes, Lord. Pain goes right now. as a testimony of your healing power. I want to encourage anybody here right now that as, as you're praying and you've, got, you've had pain when you came into service, I want you to try and test that. Whether it's your back, whether it's your neck, if you've got a sore neck, test that. If there's any pain still in your body, then keep praying. But if you have been healed, if there's pain's gone, if the pain's gone, I want you to lift your hand right now. Is there anybody here right now This pain left your body? You had pain, but it's gone right now. We want to encourage others. Test, Gary, test. Yeah, there was pain. This lady's put her hand up. There's pain gone. She wasn't even being prayed for, but our others. Isn't that a miracle? Let's give God praise for that miracle. That pain's gone right now. Who else? I see your hand. Did you have pain? Is that pain gone? Let's give God praise. God's doing something there. Anybody else? Test, test yourself. Test yourself. Gary, do you have a sore arm or something? Move it. Move it in the name of Jesus. Move it in the name of Jesus. Is that any better? Is it still pain there or is it gone? A little bit of pain. Father, in the name of Jesus, by your stripes, we speak total healing to Gary's arm. And by faith, as he moves his arm now, Lord, there'll be no pain. Tell me how that feels. Let's give God praise. It's feeling better. Praise God. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.